Hello, my name is John O'Connell, and welcome to AMX Fika Leadership Podcast. So over these podcasts, I'll be speaking to some inspirational and innovative data and analytic contributors from across industry and the health and care sectors. I'll be asking each of them to share with us some of the exciting work they have underway, which is helping to shape the health and care analytics space, as well as asking some of them their motivational insights into their career paths to date. So why FICA? FICA is a social phenomenon in Sweden, I thought I'd borrow. It's a legitimate reason to set aside some really quality time to catch up with friends, family and colleagues over a coffee and a cake. Joining myself and Toby today uh, is Sarah Scobie, uh, Deputy Director of Research at the Nuffield Trust, uh, focusing on quality measurement, evaluation of innovation in healthcare, and developing analytical methods methods for healthcare. So welcome, Sarah. Uh, delighted to have you join myself and Toby on AMX Fika podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So, Sarah, uh, obviously, as we start off with the most important question first, uh, as this is Fika, which is a coffee and a cake, uh, what's your preference, tea or coffee? Or, Well, I think if I had to choose, it would be tea, but I do like a coffee at the beginning of the working day. Great. I'm very sport here today because someone's gone out and got me a flat white from a local coffee shop, so mm. with an almond slice, so that's, that's good. <laughs> that's a privilege in today's age. Very sport for Friday. <laughs> yes. So for our listeners, just, just to, to let uh, people know, uh, Sarah's got many years of experience uh, as a health information specialist in the NHS. And I believe, Sarah, you've got a PhD in medical geography. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. And an MSc in health economics and health policy. So I guess it's a, quite a busy time uh, for analysts and researchers. Yes, I mean, really busy, but also really productive. I think there's so much good stuff coming out from the analytical community in healthcare at the moment. Great, great opportunities coming through. Yeah. So it'd be really good, I think, for our listeners uh, who are listening, just to hear about uh, your career to date uh, and your journey, because it's different for everybody. And just some advice you may have for people starting out in analytics and where where to begin. It'd be really good to sort of hear about that. Okay, great. So um, I've been at the Nuffield Trust since January 2018, um, so more or less three years now. But most of my career has been spent in the NHS and arms length bodies. Um, My very first job after graduating was for Bolton Community Health Council. So community health councils are a bit or were a bit like the local health watch teams are now. Um, And most of the work that I did there was on the experience of users of end of life care services. But I also collaborated with a a great colleague called Robert Barr from the University of Manchester on um, a small area analysis of cancer data. And this led me to do a PhD at the University of Manchester, um, which was uh, about understanding the impact of relocating mental health services into the community and um, the interplay of that with other changes going on in, uh, um, in communities at the time. Um, And after my PhD, I then worked um, for a couple of years in in non-health settings. So I worked for a software house specialising in geographic information systems. Mm -hmm. And I worked as a SQL developer for an oil company. 
Um, and then I spent some time not working and traveling a bit. Um, but then when I came back, uh, I decided, yes, I had to get back into, into healthcare. Um, and at that point, I worked for a number of years in the public health team in Camden and Islington Health Authority. So um, health authorities were sort of precursors to PCTs and CCGs for those of you that, you know, yeah. went around in health authority days. Um, and when I was there in Camden, Islington, I set up a public health information team um, and also became involved in evaluation of programmes such as um, health action zones. Not sure if anyone remembers them. So they were designed yeah. to address the underlying causes of health inequalities. Um, and after, I guess it was about seven years there, I moved to the Commission for Health Improvement, which is, which was the precursor of the Healthcare Commission, which was the okay. precursor of the Care Quality Commission. Um, and I worked initially on clinical governance reviews, but then on the performance indicators, star ratings, as they were called, KPIs, um, yeah. and on the national patient and staff survey program. So um, one of my claims to fame was setting up the first NHS staff survey. Wow. Um, and from there, I went to the National Patient Safety Agency, um, where I managed the first uh, um, uh, patient safety observatory. So this was analysing data from the National Patient Safety Incident Reporting System that was set up at the time. Um, and we also work with other organisations collecting data about um, safety, um, so litigation authority and, and organisations like that. Um, then we moved to Bristol as a family in 2009. And at that point, I started working for a shared health informatics service called Avon IMT Consortium. So a big shout yeah. out to... AIMTC colleagues out there, I'm sure there's some of you still around. And we supported the Bristol North Somerset and South Gloss primary care trusts, as they were then. Um, and then over time, my role there changed quite a bit as PCTs went out and CCGs and commissioning support units came in. And um, at the time that I left, it was I was then working for South Central and West commissioning support unit. Uh, and um, it was at that time, really, that I did my master's in health economics and health policy um, on a part-time basis alongside my my world, because I felt really that I wanted to get back into doing more analysis myself um, and spend less time organising other people's analysis. So, well, so, so that's how how that came about. In terms of um, advice. Um, I've thought a bit about this, and I think there's a few things that immediately spring to mind. So one of them is to do with feedback. So just how important it is to to seek out feedback about how you're doing and how how you come over and about what people think of what you do. Um, and also learning to give feedback as well, both as a as a colleague and as a as a as a manager and indeed upwards feedback as well. And I guess as part of that, really trying to make connections with your colleagues, um, including colleagues outside of your immediate team, because they'll have a different perspective on what you do. Um, and I think that one of the things that uh, I'd really reflect on is that 
it's so important to treasure your contacts um, yeah. over time because I don't know if it's just in the NHS, but all sorts of people who you worked with at one point in time and you think you're never going to work with again later on, you do. You work with them maybe 15 years later, um, which is fantastic. So um, it's really great to to keep in touch with people and, and so on. Um, and I guess another thing from that, which you'll perhaps have picked up from my career, is that I've worked in a lot of organisations that don't exist anymore. Um, but the, the functions still exist and uh, the people doing the work um, are carrying on. So so just hold on to the people in the work and don't worry terribly yeah. much about the organisation, I guess. That's great. That's really good advice. Work is more important than ever now with the, the move towards, you know, refocusing on health inequalities, which we know when we come out of hopefully some time of, of COVID, it's going to be equally important to sort of use those evaluation skills and, and, and the application from a population health perspective. But just sort of thinking as we sort of kind of move forward and if we, we, we hopefully move towards a, a post-COVID world uh, and we know that, as we mentioned before, we, we spoke earlier about the importance of you know health and care intelligence and the development of analytical capabilities really being at the heart of kind of supporting these new integrated care systems to make more effective sort of decision-making. You mentioned when we spoke as well, and some of the work I think you, you've done with Nuffield about the importance of you know really good data visualization. And I'd be really keen to hear from from your perspective, fair listeners. You know what you see as the key important and the benefits of, of data visualization. Yeah, I mean, um, so one of the of our roles at the Nuffield Trust is to is to get good evidence out there and to get people thinking about what the important issues are, um, and about whether our policies and the way we organise services um, could could be improved. Um, and so one of the ways that we do that is to um, analyse data and um, put it out there with commentary. Um, and during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, we've been doing a chart of the week series where um, we take a, a, a often quite specific issue and, a, and, a, and produce a chart um, which seeks to tell the story of, of what's going on. So we've looked at um, everything from test and trace, mortality and inequality, uh, staff sickness, mental health, you know, all, all sorts of different aspects of what's going on in the pandemic. Um, and by just taking a, an issue and, uh, and really thinking about how to communicate that message, you can you can uh, get a lot more people interested, we think, and understanding what some of the important issues are. Um, and particularly at the moment, there's so much interest in, in healthcare that there's a great opportunity there to, to get some of those points across. And I think as well for analysts, it's a really good discipline to try and write about what it is you're finding. I think it's very easy for analysts to churn another chart, another report out, but actually really thinking about what it means and what the implications are um, is a really important skill. And sharing, I suppose, what, what, what you found with your analysis, but asking people for feedback on what they think as well, opening up that debate. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. That was um, really informative. I think um, when we spoke earlier, you, you talked about data quality. You mentioned the work you were doing around the use of community data within the national community data sets. And um, I wondered if you wouldn't mind touching on the importance of data quality. Uh, and, and I know that's quite a sort of a 
a big topic, but um, wanted to sort of get your thoughts on how that uh, drives decision making and um, how leaders can sort of come on board and take that a little more seriously. Well, I think one of the reasons we really um, wanted to do some analysis with the community data set is because there's such a gap at the moment um, in understanding what's going on in the community. So the data from general practice, I think, is getting better. Um, and obviously from secondary care, there's been, you know, there's loads of data, um, really. But in terms of community services, it's really quite hard to know what's going on. Um, and so we've, we've started a project um, looking at the impact of the pandemic on the community and focusing really on two particular groups of patients. So people who've been in hospital with COVID um, and people as well who were discharged right at the beginning of the pandemic when there was a lot of um, concern about what was happening to some of those long stay patients and, and, and what the impact of them was after they were discharged. Um, and one of the reasons that we are, are doing the analysis focusing on patients who've been in the hospital is because that tells us a little bit more about the patients than actually is available in the community data set um, because it counts referrals and activities uh, and, um, and contacts but there isn't too much information about about the underlying condition of the patient. Um, uh, we've, we are finding that there are real challenges with the data quality both in terms of how consistently different uh, providers are reporting over time, um, in how complete some of the data is, and also in the the um, in the types of service activity that um, that are recorded. So in some areas, um, you know, half the half the patients are district nursing services, and in other areas, at ten percent. Now, for something that's pretty much a standard community service, that that indicates there's there's a problem there. Um, so, I think that part of what we're going to find during the project is um, is there going to be quite a lot of unanswered questions. But on the other hand, we hope that by drawing um, attention to these and by engaging with um, community uh, service leaders, we can see if we can get a bit more momentum behind improving the quality of the data um, because um, it's going to be so critical for, uh, well, for patients at the moment, but also for integrated care systems um, going into the future. So um, we hope it might be a spur for taking the data quality a bit more seriously. And I would think that as we all grow older and, and, and sort of, you know, long-term conditions become, well, they are becoming more prevalent, but as we sort of manage our care at home more more going forward, that data set is going to have to become a lot more richer, as probably, as you mentioned, with the GPs. So it's probably on leadership to take it quite seriously to try and improve the quality of that going forward. Following on from that, you, you mentioned as well, we spoke, there's, I think there's been a lot of media coverage, isn't there, about, you know, uh, the recording ethnicity data, you know, the importance of doing it uh, probably because it, it releases a lot of in, insights as well. We obviously need to improve the coding of that. Um, what do you think could be done differently uh, across the systems mm. in, in that domain? So um, so this is something else we're looking at at the moment, actually, um, and doing analysis of of the nitty-gritty of, of how the coding 
of in of ethnicity in healthcare data sets has changed over time um, and for which groups um, it's particularly good or bad and whether there are any patterns there in terms of um, the types of, of service used. Um, and and I think, I mean, I think ethnicity coding is something that for a long time, I think a lot of analysts have, have felt rather dubious about the quality of it and perhaps haven't undertaken analysis of ethnic disparities um, in the way that they they might otherwise have done. Um, and I think that COVID has really shown us that we just can't just carry on saying the data quality is not good enough, we're not going to do that analysis, um, and that we really need to understand in what ways isn't it good. Um, and to and we're hoping that we can get some of that information out there that will encourage people to undertake the analysis, but also provide them with information about what impact that might have and, and what biases that might have. So um, there are some interesting differences coming out in terms of trends over time um, and the patterns of the numbers of people who are saying that uh, it's either unknown or it's not stated. Um, and also another important issue is um, the various uh, categories, the other categories, which um, are are tending to be a bit of a bucket, we think, with um, a lot of people ending up in those categories. And then you get some very odd results when you compare the, uh, you know, different types of activity with the um, uh, population data that's available. Uh, this is a slightly broader question, Sarah, but I, I, so coming from a research background, how have you found that uh, people's attitudes to data collection and research has changed in light of COVID. Um, you you work more closely with data and see the value in that. But how have you how have you found that people's attitudes to data collection, especially within the health and care space, has shifted um, as they perhaps begin to see the value of it? Well, I think that one of the things that's been really interesting is that um, as we've moved into sort of unknown territory, um, the value of data has really increased. Um, I mean, many people who've been involved in NHS planning rounds in the past, you'll kind of know that someone does a fantastic model and then the finance directors do a deal about what's actually going to be commissioned based on, you know, historic historic planning, but we're now in a situation where uh, we really don't know unless we really look hard at the data actually what is going on and who's being treated and who's not being treated. Um, so I think I think the potential to um, use analysis properly has has really increased and there's a there's a real appetite I think that perhaps there wasn't before to make better use of the data and analytical capabilities that we've got and, and to develop it as well. Thank you for that. Really insightful. And Sarah, you're saying about this, obviously uh, some really, really interesting areas that, you know, our listeners could follow you on. You mentioned there's some areas about, was it chart of the week um, that they could follow? Yeah. So yeah. so if you go to the, um, to the Nuffield Trust website or if you follow us on, on Twitter, there's um, a whole series of our charts of the week there. Um, 
which, as I say, take these different topics. Um, there's also a program called Quality Watch, which um, tracks quality of care, and we always review the performance data each month. Um, and then th there'll be, from week to week, a whole series of different outputs, blogs, research reports, um, and so on. So um, there's loads of, of interesting stuff there. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if people do take a look to get feedback as well, because you often don't exactly know what people are making and, and what use they're making of it. So always really keen to um, to get feedback. Brilliant, great. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's been really good to have you on board. And so, yeah, just summarising there, you mentioned at the beginning, I think, which is really good about, you know, seeking out feedback if you're starting out, but also equally, I think, really good points about giving that feedback up um, to people as well. Uh, I think also, I think what was really good for me was that, that making connections is so important. It's such a small world and circle we work within and you come across people so many times. And I found that even on an international perspective, you know, meeting people around the world, you see them everywhere, but the, the really importance of your network and, and developing that network when you start out. And I think you mentioned as well, wasn't it, on the, the visualization, you know, the powerfulness of a story if it's told properly, but probably focusing in a bit more on that and you know, keeping the story quite tight, but you know, push, putting it out there for, for other people to feedback on. And then I think, you know, finally finishing off, I think you mentioned about you know, data quality and how we, you know, we need to focus on improving that. But you mentioned about, you know, if we get the ethnicity coding right as well, there'd be a lot more insights, I think, that will come through for people as we move towards supporting integrated healthcare systems. But no, really, really great insights and great to have you on board. And then just for, 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 the, for our listeners, what do you do outside of a very busy health and policy research uh, role that you're, you're currently doing? What do you do to relax? Um, well, I generally do try and get outside. So anything sort of outside and on dry land, I'm I'm keen on. So gardening and walking at the moment. Hopefully, camping will be back on the uh, agenda in the summer at some yeah. point um, when we can travel a bit further. But um, yeah, want to make the most of, of being outdoors usually. Lovely, and lovely to have you on board. And hopefully, we, in the future, once your uh, your work's continued, we can get you back on board to uh, share with us listeners. Uh, some of the work. Brilliant. Thanks very much for asking me. Thanks for coming on. So I'd like to thank our speaker for joining us today and for everybody else tuning in to this podcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the future.